Hey team, I want you to meet Jen Allen. She's chief evangelist at Challenger and co-host of Winning the Challenger Sale podcast. But first, let's hear what Carl Ferreira told us about Jen. Jen Allen, you gotta talk to Jen. She's fantastic. She's chief evangelist officer over at Challenger. Huge fan of Challenger. The content that she puts out on LinkedIn is very different. Um, it's a lot of content on LinkedIn, especially in like the sales ecosystem is very entry level. Like it's for SDRs, it's for uh, a lot of prospecting tips and things like that. So Jen is a breath of fresh air because it's content designed for the close to uh, for for the deal for a more experienced closing type of rep. And uh, I learn a ton from it, and I and I you know consume uh, a lot of her content. Hey Jen, what are three ways your team converts your market into revenue? So the first of the three is one: teach where prospects go to learn. Um, so what I mean by that is instead of just relying on the traditional sales process to hopefully find someone who's ready to buy, figure out where your customers go to learn with or without you, and make sure you've got a message there. Second part of that that relates to that is when you are teaching in those spaces, um, don't teach the solution, teach your interpretation of why the problem exists and um, alternatives to solving that problem. So make it a problem teaching, not a solutions teaching. Um, and then three, once you've kind of won over someone on that message, they look at the problem the same way you do, make sure you don't fall short at the goal line by just assuming that they'll be able to socialize the problem inside of their business in the way that you would. Um, so rather spend time making sure you've armed them to go tell the problem story in the way that candidly you would tell it if you were in the room. What are three hard problems that you recently overcame? One is very timely. It's how I got this new job that I got, um, which was lack of leads. So I sold in the large enterprise space and I was a hunter rep or someone who just focused on new logo acquisition. And last year I was just seeing a dramatic drop in the amount of leads um, that were coming in the door. And so rather than just go back and beat marketing over the head with it and try to figure out what can marketing can do. Um, that's why I started getting more involved in things like social and podcasting and that sort of thing to try to generate interest again, to my earlier point around where people go to learn, have a presence there. Um, so that was one problem. Second problem I think is like, probably everybody feels this is just the lack of buyer alignment, um, that exists today. So because now we're all in many cases operating virtually, we just don't have the benefit of customers who see each other in the hallway and can talk about the problems together. And so just having a really disconnected buying group um, uh, that are coming on for a Zoom and then jumping into their next Zoom um, was a problem that was just really difficult, candidly, to sell what I saw last year. And so part of what I did to overcome it was think differently about the agenda and the time that I was spending that with them. So instead of trying to cram a ton into one call, because that was my one and only opportunity with the buying group, slowing that down and, and saying like, my first call with them has to be on aligning on the problem. I shouldn't even get to solution in that call. If we align on the problem, then we can talk about solution. Then when we've aligned on the solution, then we can talk about pricing. I think previously I was trying to just cram all of that into one meeting. So that was number two. And then number three actually relates to number one, which was just, I'm someone who've, who's always considered themselves to be like a lifelong seller. And that was perfectly fine for me, but I started getting an itch last year and saying, I know I don't want to go down the manager track. I know I don't want to go down the uh, enablement or leader track. What else could I do to keep this job interesting? And that's when I looked to turn what I was kind of doing on the side of my desk in terms of like the social stuff into more of a formal role of, of evangelism. 
What are three roadblocks that you're working on now? Um, I would say I'm still like the second one on dispersed teams and figuring how to get customers um, to make decisions in a really effective but efficient manner is still a work in progress. That'll some, that's something I can't really think will be on my to-do list for every single year moving forward. Um, so I would say that's still something I've made progress on, but still need more work to do. Um, specific for our business, um, one of the things that I've observed as a result of everybody having to go digital is now we have a different type of competitor. So we we play traditionally in like the sales training, sales enablement space. But now with many companies saying, gosh, with virtual, like we need to invest in sales tech and we need to come, become much more sophisticated there. It's not that they are a competitor in the sense of what we do, but they are a competitor for the same category of spend. Um, so thinking to kind of summarize it, thinking differently about how do I frame against um, new and emerging competitors that may not be our traditional set? Um, and then the third roadblock is just um, another one that relates to my new job. Because so few people have an evangelist role formally, I don't think it's really understood or understood how to use effectively. And so one of the things that I'm working on right now is just socializing for the business. How does customer success think about where evangelists can step in? How does how do AEs, how do marketing and sort of playing nice in the sandbox with all those functions. What are three mental models that you use to do your best work? So these all come straight from the Bible of the challenger sale. So I am absolutely a convert on that. Um, so number one is in every sales conversation I have, I am thinking about how do I make it so that customers first see that the pain of what they're currently doing is much greater than the cost of whatever solution I'm asking them to implement. And it goes a little bit beyond just the cost of the solution, more so around the idea that like, I can buy a better solution from you or somebody else. But I also, in the back of my mind as a customer, know that that road to better is going to be like my political capital at risk. It's going to be budget. It could be my team looking at me being like, why did you change this process? What we were doing was good enough. And so the, the sort of mental model that I'm approaching every sales conversation with is avoid the urge of building up like the benefit of the upside of if they go with us and really, really hammer home the cost of whatever they're currently doing. So I refer to that as like make pain of same greater than the pain of change, which one of our clients actually came up with years ago. That's number one. Um, number two is the mental mo- that mental model, but applied to opportunity prioritization. So I think a big mistake I made... Um, early in my career and and candidly up until a couple of years ago was when I would get a territory in January, I'd look through and I'd say, what are all the sexiest names, biggest companies, biggest sales teams. And I'd spent a lot of time going after them, not appreciating that in many cases, their pain of same was not greater than the pain of change. Like they may have already had an established methodology. They may have built something and I would kill a lot of time and productivity trying to convince them to do something different. When I had a ton of companies who maybe had no sales methodology at all, or maybe a ton of companies that were shifting the portfolio of what they sold from like hardware to software. And so taking that pain of same mentality and applying it to opportunity prioritization would be number two. Um, and then number three would be a, sort of the same theme. But when we get to the point at which we are talking about solutions, another big mistake that I made previously that I think I've done a better job at still work in progress is it's so easy for us to jump to ROI because every customer asks about it. End of the day, though, that does very, very little for a company who perceives that the cost of changing is significant. And so one of the mental models that I learned from Challenger was this idea of cost of inaction. 
when customers want to run to ROI, they are trying to defend the value of the investment. But oftentimes the conversation that we need to have first is what happens if you do nothing? We refer to that as cost of inaction or COI. So being really disciplined in making sure when I get to proposal, or when I get to solution, I'm not just putting up an ROI number, but I'm also giving a comparison point for what happens if you decide to do nothing differently about this problem. What are three techniques that other GTM teams need to try? So I'm biased, but I'm going to go with one is evangelism. If you have any sort of disruptive element to your business and you don't have customers who are naturally going to gravitate to the new and differentiated solution that you offer, evangelism is such a a powerful way to take some of the pressure off of marketing and candidly sellers to go out there and socialize the problems that you solve and socialize the pain of same, socialize the cost of inaction. I think it's a really cool thing, even if it's a side of the desk job, like it was for me last year to have someone dedicated in your business doing. So that's number one is evangelism. Um, two, again, biased, but I'm, I think personally, just because of my own experience with it in a market where risk aversion, where costs, where all these things are increasing, make it increasingly difficult for customers to buy. Like I could candidly understand five, six years ago when the market was thriving, why people would opt not to do challenger. But in an environment like this, when no decision, status quo, these are some of our biggest competitors. I think right now, challengers should at least be considered by anybody who's selling something that's disruptive. So again, biased, but I have to say what I believe. Um, And then three, the third technique would be um, what I described above, I think around opportunity prioritization, moving away from just the standard employee size, you know, sexiness of the logo to try to pick which opportunities we spend our time on and actually thinking about it through the lens of what do we have to teach that customer? And is that enough to actually make meaningful progress against their business problems? So those would be my three. Who are three operators that should be our next guests and why? My number one dude is Josh Braun. Um, Josh Braun is one of the more influential people in my own career. Um, If you don't follow him already, uh, Josh writes content that is beyond helpful. Like it's stuff when I first read it, reading it, started thinking like, why is he not charging for it? He does in his classes, but he also puts a lot of content out for free. So I, I view him as someone that's a real helper. I've candidly learned a lot about cold calling, cold emailing, cold outreach from him. Um, two would be Darren McKee. I think Darren McKee. Um, so he used to be at better up. He just moved over to, I think an organization called wealthy. Um, Darren is someone that I think is a great example of someone who is very active on social but productively. He's not active saying like, this is why our solution is the best. He starts really smart conversations that relate back to what he sells. I think he embodies a lot of the characteristics I think sellers should be thinking about today. So that's two. And then three would be Leslie Vanettes. I think Leslie, um, for those of you that don't know her, she was one of the um, earlier salespeople to get on TikTok. And I know TikTok in many ways is perceived as like, that's not relevant for B2B. She's amassed a really big following. And I think some of the themes that Leslie touches on are things like women in sales and diversity in sales and how you show up and be your authentic self in sales and just conversations that I think as a result of COVID, as a result of like a deeper awareness of mental health, many times we as sellers are not comfortable having inside of our organization. So I think she presents a really compelling view of things to be mindful of, things to be thinking about um, as you navigate the sales role. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Jen. This is awesome. You're welcome. Thank you. Hey team, what did you think about this? I think that you got to add Jen Allen to your GTM talent watch list. If you can't recruit her, you can try to join Jen's go-to-market team at Challenger, or you can try to join mine at Monograph. We're both hiring. 
Oh, by the way, have we met yet? I'm Chris Morgan, host of the Market to Revenue podcast. Shoot me an email right now about what you thought about this episode. It's chris at markettorevenue.com. Talk to you in a moment.